And that's why they say people with anxious attachment and people with avoidant attachment usually magnetize towards each other. I truly feel it's because they're trying to reconcile the trauma or the neglect or the abuse that they experienced in their childhood through this partner. But really, this partner only continues to mimic or replicate, like I said, what they experienced in childhood. Lay down. Hey, babes, welcome to Codependency Alchemy, the podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Zander, and today we're going to talk about insecure attachment styles. I learned about my insecure attachment style when Justin and I were not together. I had never heard about insecure attachment styles until I was basically lying in my bathtub, bath water, catching the endless amount of tears that I was experiencing because I had no one to blame my experience on. I had no one to project on. I was just in the deepest of the depths, basically. And it was through learning my insecure attachment style when I was in a situationship with someone who was basically the opposite of what I was when it comes to insecure attachment styles. And it was through that experience that I was really able to learn about my insecure attachment style and the patterns that were coming from that. I can honestly say that without becoming aware of my insecure attachment style, I don't know that I would have had the awareness that I needed, that I think we all need, in order to heal and tend to our unresolved trauma. Through learning about attachment styles, I was able to see the the root of why I was having these tendencies. I got to see the root of the driving force or the motivator for acting out in these ways, which for the majority of my life, you know, I was like 30 when this happened. The majority of my life, I just thought that bad things happened to me. I just thought that I was unlovable. I just thought that there was something wrong with me when really I had to learn it. It wasn't that there was anything wrong with me. It was just that I was continuing to perpetuate a cycle that had happened to me when I was a child and what I tried to convey and share here is the fact that just because we experience the trauma or neglect or inconsistency in our childhood doesn't mean that it isn't our responsibility to navigate, manage, heal, tend to that trauma, that abuse, that neglect that we experienced. And through the shadow work, through the inner child work, through creating deeper awareness around my patterns, I have been able to learn how to reparent that part of myself that didn't get the love or the protection or the safety that she deserved when she was a child, that I deserved, that I deserved when I was a child. 
So today I want to bring to you what I have learned about insecure attachment styles so that you can maybe see which one resonates with you, if any of them at all. Or if you're like me, all of them fucking resonate. I'm like, it me for all of them. When we experience insecure attachment, it can be hard to regulate your emotions and trust yourself. Having inconsistent caregivers, trauma, abuse, or neglect in childhood can lead us to craving close relationships while simultaneously not feeling like we're able to trust others or trust love. There's this fear of abandonment and rejection that can develop, which can turn into a constant need for reassurance from others. So going back to me crying in my bathtub five years ago, I didn't have that reassurance. I wasn't getting anyone to validate me. I was really alone and looking myself in the mirror. I was forced to learn how to create comfort and solace for myself. And because I didn't even know where to start, because I felt like it was impossible, like there was no way that I could feel complete or full unless I had somebody else, I ran right into a red flag. I ran right into the arms of someone who basically replicated the abandonment and rejection that I experienced as a child. And that's why they say people with anxious attachment and people with avoidant attachment usually magnetize towards each other. I truly feel it's because they're trying to reconcile the trauma or the neglect or the abuse that they experienced in their childhood through this partner But really, this partner only continues to mimic or replicate, like I said, what they experienced in childhood. And let me tell you, for me, it was such an intense vortex that I just could not get out of. And so it's interesting to reflect back on that time, knowing what I know now about attachment styles, because I went from Justin, who was a safe and consistent partner, that I was experiencing deeper levels of intimacy and safety with right to a, you know, walking red flag, which was igniting something that was familiar for me. That's why I think the language around a spark is almost dangerous in a sense, because that spark doesn't necessarily mean that it's connection. It likely means that there's a trauma response a trauma bond being ignited between the two people. But as a society, we're naming that chemistry. We're naming that connection. And it's not to say that there's not connection. It's just, is that a safe and healthy connection or is it actually unhealthy and potentially toxic? So let's dive into it. What is insecure attachment? Insecure attachment typically comes from moments of time in childhood where there is a rupture between the child and the caregiver. This doesn't have to mean that your parents were generally unloving or unkind. It could mean that you had an experience that was extremely discomfort and maybe a caregiver or your parent wasn't there. Or it could be your parent had an experience that was really scary to you as a child And there was maybe some fear around that expression that they had. Children who develop insecure attachment may relate to others in an anxious, avoidant, or fearful avoidant way. Adults with insecure attachment styles 
may see this manifest as needing constant reassurance from your partner, or when they feel vulnerable, they may act in manipulative ways, or they may completely repel intimacy or closeness to others in relationships in any way. You can typically tell that someone might have an insecure attachment style if they struggle when their partner asks for space, if they completely avoid conversations around commitment or conflict, or if they really push away or struggle with any levels of intimacy, whether that's physically or emotionally. Understanding insecure attachment style is literally the keys to breaking patterns that are not serving us and not serving our relationship. I feel like when I began to learn about my insecure attachment style, I was able to bring this deep awareness around my patterns. And from that awareness, I was able to begin to make different choices because I was able to see it. When it happened, I was able to acknowledge it. And so when I was able to acknowledge it, I was able then to make a choice that was different. If we don't know what the patterns are that are causing more dissonance in our relationship, then how are we supposed to make a different choice to change them? That's why that, you know, cliche saying of awareness is the first step is so true, though. If you don't have awareness, then how are you supposed to make a different choice? When we begin to explore our attachment style, we start to cultivate a relationship with that part of us, which is truly our inner child. Our inner child is the one who has created these patterns or developed this insecure attachment. So for me, by learning about my insecure attachment, I was able to meet that inner child part of myself and reparent it, give it the safe and loving environment to begin to flourish. And that is what earned secure attachment is. Earned secure attachment is when we begin to cultivate a relationship with these parts of us and foster an environment that feels safe for them to express themselves. So we let them have the floor to express what it is that they're maybe fearing. A lot of these patterns and insecure attachment styles are rooted in fear of abandonment or fear of rejection, but through healing this and developing an earned secure attachment, we're making sure that they're not leading the show. We are making sure that they are not projecting. We're making sure that they get to be held with compassion and grace, but that they don't go into self-sabotaging the relationship. And so through some of my research around attachment styles, I learned that over 40% of people experience an insecure attachment. And that is a pretty big fucking number to me. This is definitely a big enough number to bring curiosity to if this is negatively affecting your relationships. First, let's get into anxious attachment, which is also known as preoccupied attachment. People who experience anxious attachment are driven by their fear of abandonment, and they are likely to stay in a relationship despite being treated poorly. They become highly dependent on their partners and constantly needing of reassurance and validation. Because of this, they tend to be the serial monogamists, jumping from one relationship to another. There's a deep-seated fear of being alone and what that might mean about them. And when they're in relationships, even if that partner is safe, when there's distance in the relationship, it can bring up a lot of fears and jealousy around fears of 
infidelity or cheating. This explains why every time my partner and I were separate, living in a different city or a different state, whenever they went out, I would have this constant looping in my head of they're going to cheat, they're going to kiss someone, they're going to get too drunk, they're going to do this. It would just loop in my head and I would have to ask them every single time, like, did you cheat? What did you do? I, it, was, it was an intrusive thought that I just absolutely couldn't shake. It's the same reason why in my early 20s I had to buy a book specifically because it had a chapter that was titled How to Keep Your Man from Cheating. And, you know, spoiler alert, the chapter literally just says you can't, you can't keep them from cheating. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it, which led me to throwing it at my wall so fucking angrily because my anxious attachment wants to control an outcome. It wants to control and guarantee that someone isn't going to leave me because that fear of abandonment is so fucking strong that if I can read it, if I can learn it, if I can do it, then maybe I can control this person leaving me. So although it may feel normal to repeatedly text someone or text your partner until they respond or constantly asking them, do you love me? How much do you love me? Why do you love me? It's really, really just showing us that we are experiencing a fear of abandonment. Through my experience, I've learned that not tending to this part of me was actually the thief of my joy in my relationship. Because I wasn't tending to this part of me, I was always in this state of survival, in this state of worry and anxiety. I was constantly preparing for the worst. The stories and the beliefs that continued to loop in my head were ones that said that I was unlovable, the ones that said that why would anyone love me? Why would anyone stay? So I was always looking for evidence to prove that while simultaneously not wanting to prove that, which is why I needed the constant reassurance and validation from my partners. I realized also that that energy of constantly coming in and asking and needing that validation has only ever really pushed someone farther away from me. And let's be real, like it's fucking exhausting. It's exhausting for us. And I think it's also exhausting for the other person in the relationship. But I want you guys to know that through bringing awareness around these patterns and behaviors and allowing myself to unlearn some of the stories and beliefs that were really keeping me from experiencing joy and presence in my relationship, it will change the way that you experience your relationships. It will change the way that you relate to your relationships. There is such freedom and liberation at the end of bringing our awareness and and starting to explore new ways of relating. Because that part of us that fears abandonment begins to be met by us, by ourselves. That's the earned secure attachment. When we begin to be the safe place for the part of us that fears abandonment, we don't need to reconcile that through our partners or our relationships with others. So now let's get into avoidant attachment. People who experience avoidant attachment style rely on themselves more than they rely on others, and they typically correlate relationships with a loss of independence. This is why when the conversations around commitment and being vulnerable come in, they typically 
leave. They ghost. They disappear. They say not looking for a relationship, even though everything they're doing was what people in a relationship do. They will suppress emotions. They will avoid conflict. And typically they see vulnerability as a weakness. The avoidant attachment style stems from not receiving the emotional support they needed when they were a child. And this leads them to not seeking or expecting it from others altogether. The consequences of this, of course, is that their relationships with others become very surface level. There isn't much depth or emotional connection to others. They typically have a difficult time communicating, they withdraw, or they're self-isolating, which can also impact their emotional and mental well-being. Those who are avoidant have learned to depend on themselves and themselves alone, fearing that other people won't be able to meet their emotional needs because that's what they experienced as a child, right? But the detriment of this is that because they believe that others aren't capable of meeting them emotionally, they don't allow for vulnerability. They don't allow for closeness. They don't allow their relationships to have depth to them. My experience with avoidant attachment has usually been through my partners. I feel like I usually gravitate towards partners who are more on the avoidant side, which makes sense, right? They pull away, their love is pulled away, so it amplifies my fear of abandonment because they're always just kind of out of touch or out of reach. And for avoidance, they're also getting this activating experience because as an anxious person, I'm coming in a lot. There's a lot of reassurance. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of tending. There's a lot of care. And avoidance don't usually trust that emotional closeness or that intimacy. And I will just say it's a recipe for disaster a lot of times, especially if both the people are unaware of these patterns or tendencies. When Justin and I were not together, I became aware of these patterns and tendencies. And because we know what we know now, we communicate a lot more clearly. We're way more aware. So when these patterns come up, we name it, which is just so much more helpful than what we were doing before, which is just wounds that surface and then we project onto each other. So next we're going to go into fearful avoidant which I can definitely say I also resonate with. People who experience a fearful avoidant attachment style typically have a negative view of themselves and of others, which completely distorts the way that they relate to relationships. Their lack of trust drives their hypervigilance and they experience high levels of anxiety. They're typically the self-sabotaging type where they're hot and cold. They both desire intimacy and closeness. They want a relationship. They want love like more than fucking anything. But simultaneously, when it comes in, they push it away. So if you listen to my podcast episode, No Spark, where I talked about when Justin and I got together, that's exactly what I was experiencing. Someone was coming in, Justin, (laughs) very like secure, committed, knows what he wants, asking for it, sharing it, being vulnerable. And it just repelled me. It was everything that I was asking for was everything I had wanted. But when it came in, I didn't trust it. 
And the reason why there's this apprehension is because there's a fear that with this relationship or with this intimacy with another person, that it's going to lead to some sort of pain or some sort of abandonment. So if I take my personal experience with my parents, my caregivers, I was meant to be protected and safe and loved and held. They're supposed to be the people who loved me, the people who kept me safe, the people who protect me, right? However, and they were that, right? They were that. My parents were loving. My parents were kind. My parents were generous. And I also experienced abuse, right? So they were both the providers of love but they were also the ones that I experienced abuse and neglect with. So to put it simply, both a source of comfort while also being a a source of distress. So tending to fearful avoidant attachment style is really about navigating the delicate balance between fear and intimacy. Since those who experience fearful avoidant attachment style tend to have a strong desire for closeness, but also simultaneously feel anxiety about the potential risks associated with that closeness. This can typically manifest in relationships as that like push-pull dynamic. They go and they seek that connection, but then when that connection comes in, they push it away or they withdraw. I think for me, this insecure attachment style resonates the most. I definitely resonate with a lot of the anxious attachment as well, which makes sense because fearful avoidance is also high high levels of anxiety. So it's not meant to necessarily put you in a box. So you don't need to identify with just one, but take what resonates from each one. Which patterns stand out to you? Sometimes on some days, I'm like, yeah, I'm all fucking three of these bad boys, you know? The point is really to create an awareness around some of these patterns that might be negatively affecting our relationships and seeing the root behind them, right? The root behind anxious attachment is a fear of abandonment. The root behind avoidant attachment is a fear of vulnerability, a fear of emotional needs being met or not being met. The the root behind fearful avoidance is not trusting, a lack of trust, right? because the people who were supposed to care for us were both sources of comfort and distress. So I want to leave you guys with three tips that have helped me cultivate and build earn secure attachment because it has significantly impacted my relationships for the better. And I want you all to experience that too, because we all deserve happy, safe, loving, reciprocal relationships with others. And it truly begins with cultivating and creating that with ourselves. So first things first, we need self-awareness, which if you've listened to this podcast episode, you've already begun. You are in the act of creating awareness around your tendencies and around your patterns. Because the more that you direct your attention inwards, the less pressure and stress you'll be putting on your relationship and your partner for being the provider of your safety. Learning how to cultivate that safety through giving yourself that reassurance is how we begin to build that secure attachment. And so to achieve earned secure attachment, it is going to take loads of self-reflection, loads of journaling, especially when you're triggered. When my partner asks for a space and I want to move in closer, or I want to make him feel bad for even asking for it by eliciting some form of shame or guilt, which is just covert manipulation because I feel uncomfortable. 
I use those patterns now as my markers for going inward and journaling. So when I'm triggered, I'll write, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid will happen? Right? Like, what am I afraid will happen if I give my partner space? This is shadow work, people. This is going to show you the part of you that is coming up. This is going to show you your wounded inner child that says, I can't give space because if I give space, then... X, Y, and Z will happen. It's important to figure out what that X, Y, and Z is for you. And when you are able to see that, if I give my partner space, he won't love me anymore. Okay. And if he doesn't love me anymore, then what will that mean? Then that will mean I'm unlovable. And then if I'm unlovable, what will that mean? Then that will mean I end up alone. Okay. Well, now I'm going to end up alone. I don't want that, which is why I want to go in, right? But instead of going in and trying to get him to validate or reassure me, I get to sit with myself and see, I see the part of me that's afraid of being alone. Now I ask myself, what does that part of me need from me? It needs to know that I won't be alone, okay? You'll never be alone because I will always be with you. And if that's not enough, then keep asking questions. How will you feel when you get that need met? How can I give you that reassurance? What is What do you need? I need to feel safe. Okay, what is something that I can do? And if you don't know, ask this part of you. Like stream of consciousness, write this all out on paper. It is so helpful. I swear by it. I really do. Whenever I'm really stuck or struggling and I'm in the middle of an activation or trigger, if I just write, it gets so clear what's really going on. This is how we build earned secure attachment. Because we're not repressing this part of us. We're not shoving this part of us away. We're not saying, hey, no, you don't get to exist here. We're not going into our patterns of seeking validation outside of us. We are sitting with that part of us. We are building and cultivating that safety. We are being that safe place to express vulnerably that safe place that we needed but maybe didn't have as a child. And honestly, I want to give a pro tip Doing this actually will bring your partner closer to you. So allowing the actual space that they've asked for, we'll use that as an example. Whenever I stopped going in, or I guess I should say when I stopped going in and getting closer, like I literally want to go and like sit on him. (laughs) And instead I went and grabbed my journal. I started writing That is honestly when he started wanting to come closer. He started coming in. He started wanting to spend time with me. It shifted everything immediately. So the next thing that we want to do is we want to call vulnerability to the stage. The best way to tend to insecure attachment styles is to start exploring ways to express your emotions with a safe person. For some people, that's a therapist, that's a mentor, that's a coach, that's a community, that's your partner, it's a friend. Figure out who that safe person is for you. And it's really important to stay journaling and curious about the thoughts, the feelings, or the emotions that come up around intimacy, around vulnerability. By confronting our fears of vulnerability, we will begin to feel more comfortable expressing our emotions and more comfortable seeking support or help from others. We start breaking down that hypervigilance, right? That hyper independence, that part of us that says we have to do everything and do it on our own. 
By doing this, you're better equipped to handling setbacks or challenges without resorting to isolation or avoidance. When you start exploring vulnerability with yourself and with others, you begin to learn more about empathy, connection, and communication, which are all key components to building a healthy relationship where both partners feel supported, where both partners feel cared for, where both partners feel seen. Finally, the third piece I have for building earned secure attachment is taking radical personal responsibility. By bringing our awareness to our insecure attachment style and beginning to see our part in relational dynamics, we can then begin the journey of taking radical personal responsibility. This means we're moving away from blaming others for our experiences and our relationships, and we're getting more curious about the role that we play. Through our self-awareness practices and beginning to cultivate deeper moments of vulnerability and intimacy with others, we will start experiencing greater emotional resilience. This will improve your communication skills, and emotional resilience is so key in just navigating life in general. Because there are going to be ups, there are going to be downs, there are going to be twists and turns, and having that emotional resilience to hold yourself no matter what life is bringing you is like, to me, the most powerful tool. Resilience is staying in integrity and holding yourself impeccably no matter what adversity you're facing. And the way that I do this in my life and my relationships is I always come back to this question, how do I desire to feel? And if what I'm experiencing in my relationship isn't aligned to how I desire to feel or honestly insert anything, if how I feel in my work or how I feel in my friendship or how I feel while I'm walking my dog isn't aligned to how I desire to feel, then I get to take radical personal responsibility to change either my environment or my thought so that I can come into alignment with how I desire to feel. So if, let's take an easy one like walking my dog. So if I'm agonizing and annoyed because I have to walk my dog, but how I desire to feel is empowered, peaceful, and easeful, and enjoy, then how can I change my environment or my thought so that I can come back into alignment with that? I can see walking my dog not as a chore that I have to do, rather I get to spend the next 15 minutes outside in the sun or I get to spend the next 15 minutes outside breathing fresh air. What a gift. So definitely use that as an anchor. It's like one of the first questions I ask my clients because it gives you a blueprint for your life, right? How do I desire to feel? And what needs to change in order for me to feel that way? If you want to step into earn secure attachment, these check-ins and reflections with yourself are so important because the answers that you receive are the blueprint. They are the, the exact directions to help you make the choices in your life that are going to align you to the life that you desire to live, the life that you deserve quite frankly, rather than continuing to experience the life or the relationship that feels more like suffering. And so if the idea of these reflections make you feel overwhelmed, remember that achieving earned secure attachment is through intentional self-work, devoted time for self-reflection. And in most cases, we need support while we're navigating this. 
If you're looking for support, you can join our Codependency Alchemy membership by becoming a paid subscriber on Substack. This is a community of women who join virtually a couple times a month. We do a masterclass that people vote on through Substack, and we meet on Zoom. Another one of our calls is a virtual group coaching call where I answer your questions one-on-one. We move through these shadow work prompts and inner child work so that you can leave the call feeling like there is a deeper awareness of self and that something is changed, something is uprooted, something is shifted within you. And I will say after years, multiple years, like three years of being on calls like this, it is most powerful to witness other women in their shares because we will always... I'm telling you, always see ourselves through other people's shares. And that mirror is one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves, especially because this healing and codependency journey can feel extremely isolating and lonely. And if you're not ready to join a community, but you're like, where do I start? I also created a five-week codependency alchemy course that you can do on your own time. It gives you all the shadow work prompts. It lays out all of the inner child and somatic practices. It is literally everything you could possibly fucking need to uproot codependent patterns and step into sovereign, loving, reciprocal, empowered relationships. It is what I have walked myself through, so I'm giving you all the fucking tea. I went from codependent relationship as fuck to a relationship where we can have conflict in a way that is so constructive and that actually brings more connection and intimacy into our relationship. I finally feel confident and secure in asking for what I need, and my partner meets me in that. This is what I believe all of us get to have access to, what all of us get to experience. So if you're wanting to take some of these teachings and start applying it to your own life, I would definitely feel into where you're at on your journey because I built these two offers because depending on the phase that I was in in my journey, sometimes I just needed study. I just wanted to reflect on my own and in my own time. And other times I really needed to be held while I was navigating some things that were extremely uncomfortable for me to to go through alone. And to have the support of a group like this is just such a gift that we can give to ourselves. The membership is honestly a fucking steal. It's $9 a month to get monthly calls and exclusive private podcast episodes and AMA chats. So I'll leave the link to that below as well as the course. And if you're listening to this podcast episode and the course is standing out to you, I will leave a special discount code for anyone that signs up from listening to this episode. So make sure to check that out. Use the promo code. And if you're not sure which path is the path for you, slide into my DMs. Let's talk. Let's talk about where you're at, what you're experiencing, because I want you to get the most out of whatever path you choose. And that's what I have for you babes today. I hope this podcast episode was supportive for you. If it was and it feels aligned, I would love and appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast so other people who don't follow me on social media can find these episodes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to give it a thumbs up and hit subscribe so that you always get notified when new episodes release. I hope you all have a beautiful day and I will see you next week. Love you.